Our Gospel reading this evening comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. Again, listen for God's Word to us. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I have to admit to you that I've often gotten this passage all mixed up. I've, I think, emphasized the wrong thing. I thought for a long time that this passage was about counseling people out of the system, how to get rid of the bad eggs, how to fire someone, or how to let them go. But I'm reminded this evening that a text without a context is a pretext. (laughs) I learned that from my father. (laughs) And we know how to create proof texting, right? How to pull things out and have it say what we want it to say. But a text without a context is a pretext, which is to say that if we don't look at what's going on around what we're reading, we're liable to misinterpret it. So let's take a look at chapter 18 and what Matthew is saying. The chapter begins with the disciples going to Jesus and asking, who is the greatest in heaven? And Jesus takes a little child and brings that child before them and says, whoever is humble like a child is the greatest. And then he goes on to tell the disciples to not be a stumbling block to anyone. It's consistent with Jesus' message that if you have a speck in your own eye, or if you see a speck in your brother's eye, don't forget about the log in your own eye. Jesus is saying you have to take care of yourself and look within before you judge another A sage once wrote that I never met anyone in whom I failed to recognize something superior to myself. If the person was older, I said, this one has done more good than I. If younger, I said, this person has sinned less. If richer, I said, this one has been more charitable. If poorer, I said, this one has suffered more. If wiser, I honored their wisdom. And if not wiser, I judge their faults more lightly. lightly. There is always room to appreciate the gifts of others and what they have to offer the community 
in the household of God, all are valued. That must be why Jesus also tells the story of the lost sheep at this point. If you remember that story, there is a shepherd with a hundred sheep. And what happens when one goes astray? The shepherd leaves all the others and goes looking for that one. Because that one is valued so much. The circle is wide enough to include everyone. And we have to remember that. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. Following our reading for today, Peter is told about forgiveness and that forgiveness cannot be limited. When Peter asks, how many times should I forgive? Jesus said, not once, not twice, not even seven times, but 77 times. A whole lot. It's important to keep forgiving. And then we're told about the unforgiving servant, another parable that Jesus tells of a man who went to the king and pleaded for forgiveness for his indebtedness, and the king very generously pardoned his debt. But then that man went, and to his own servant, he was ruthless and demanded that he return even a smaller debt. It was unclear whether this man had really understood how gracious the king had been. And Jesus tells that story to remind us, too, of the importance of forgiveness and the importance of grace and the importance of us recognizing that God deals with us in a merciful way and we, too, have to deal with one another similarly, gracious and kind. How we deal with others matters. And that's really what's at the heart of this text for today. The goal is not to reprimand or reprove for the sake of moving someone along, but rather for the sake of trying to gather them back in to help them to return to the fold. The powerful images of pardon and mercy found all around this text color the reading of these few verses on reproving another, revealing that reconciliation is really what this text is about. Christian community must always seek reconciliation to bring back together what has gone asunder. When we are the injured party, we are to seek out the other person who we think has done the injury and initiate this return and this reconciliation. Commentator Charles Cusar says of this text, that it reminds us that we have no right to nurse our grudges, whine about our wounds, and resist efforts at healing. We are to take the first step to risk the engagement that can lead to a restored relationship. As hard as that might be, the Christ-like thing for us to do is to seek reconciliation. The health of the community depends upon it. Now you all in this room, I know, are aware that reconciliation is at the heart of our mission here at Richmond Hill. We see ourselves called to be reconcilers. And we see that because it is at the heart of the Gospel. God is reconciling through Christ and we are to reconcile as His disciples. 
On Saturday, I had another opportunity to walk the trail of enslaved people with a few people who were on retreat here at Richmond Hill. And as most of you know, it starts at Manchester Docks and works its way around Richmond Hill, essentially, telling that story and reminding us that this city has a pretty auspicious history when it comes to caring for people and bringing them together. And it, it predates the story of slavery here, going back even to those who were native to this land being driven out. We know because of the example in Charlottesville just up the road and other places that there is still a great deal of work for us to do as reconcilers. God is calling us. God is counting on us to value one another and to practice the mercy of God and the graciousness of God and to do what we can to help to bring people back together. To see that we are one family with one another. There are steps that we need to take and there are little things that we can do, whether it's mentoring one of the teenagers in the ALP program, or whether it's going to school and reading to a third grader in the MICA initiative, or whether it's being a spiritual director and simply being willing to companion another person who is seeking to follow God in this city. These are intentional ways that we continue to work for reconciliation, to continue to strengthen the community of faith, These are ways we continue to make a difference in this community and in this world. We hear in this text that if when seeking reconciliation, someone refuses to listen, that it's okay to treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, at first glance, Jesus' words seem to be saying that it's okay to discriminate or to cast someone aside. But we know Jesus better than that. And again, if we read in context, we see Jesus behaving differently with others. He treated them differently and expected us to do the same. He knew that Gentiles and tax collectors were commonly dehumanized in his culture. And so he reached out to Gentiles, healing the centurion servant and the daughter of a Canaanite woman. And he called Matthew, Matthew, who was a tax collector, to be one of his disciples. The goal is to bring even the estranged into the community, to welcome the stranger. Our text for today indicates that we have something to say about that too. We can decide what is bound together and what is loosed. In rabbinic terms, those words refer to what is allowed and what is forbidden. Jesus was binding and loosing when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard that it was said in Scripture, but I say to you, sometimes he binds things more tightly and at other times he frees things. He loosens them. He calls his disciples as he did Peter earlier in Matthew and by extension, the church to do the same, to decide what is bound and what is loosed, testing texts and tradition. 
I'd like you to listen to what theologian Barbara Lundblad from Union Seminary in New York has to say about this. She writes that church history is marked by controversies over binding and loosing. Should women in difficult labor be given anesthesia, even though God decreed pain and childbirth in Genesis? Should slaves obey their masters, as Ephesians 6.5 insists? Should women be ordained when they are commanded to keep silent and never teach men in 1 Corinthians? Should clergy preside at weddings of divorced people when Jesus says such marriages break the commandments in Mark 10? She goes on to write, The church has been engaged in the task of binding and loosing for centuries. Now the fiercest battles are over sexuality. Are the biblical texts binding? Or are there faithful reasons to loose the texts that have been interpreted to condemn the LGBT community? She writes, Jesus called his followers to the task of interpretation long ago. This is not a matter of watering down the Bible, but of discerning what remains binding and what should be loosed. Because what should be loosed because it has become hurtful or even deadly. Such discernment can only be done faithfully in community and in the presence of Jesus. One person alone cannot discern such important matters of life and faith. The community is essential, which is why reconciliation is so important, she says. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you, said Jesus. I think that's a good place to stop. There's more that could be said about this text, no doubt. But keeping this text in context prevents us from a narrow interpretation and a punitive interpretation. This text is about reconciliation. It's about healing and bringing people together. Just as God in Christ seeks reconciliation with us, and all people of the world, we are called to do the same, to seek reconciliation with one another, for it is there that we will find Christ among us. Amen.